0: Did you know that there are over 65 million Gen Xers, yet so few financial advisors focus on Gen X? Why? It's because you aren't rich, yet. Welcome to the Gen X Money Advisor with Michael Labus, Certified Financial Planner, Certified College Funding Specialist, and founder of Gen X Wealth Partners. This podcast focuses on the specific needs of Gen Xers by a Gen Xer. Get ready to explore topics that will help you get your retirement on track, maximize your dollar towards your child's education, and successfully manage aging parents. We will even sprinkle in a little health and wellness, travel and leisure, and time and stress management. Come and experience the expertise of Michael and his special guests who focus on enhancing the quality of your life today. Today and in the future. Now, on to the show. Hello,
1: and welcome to another edition of the Gen X Money Advisor. I am your host, Michael Labus, and today we are going to dive into the topic of college planning. Now, college planning is a process and it starts well before you apply. I believe it is needlessly complicated, and that is by design. Regardless of what you're told, it is a for-profit business. Schools have quotas to fill, little recourse, and will take advantage of you if you let them. Today, I will discuss basic concepts to equip you with strategies to fight back. Okay, so the first one and probably the one that most people miss out on opportunities on, it's how do we pay for college? And there are many ways to do this. The first thing is got to start early. We have to start early saving for college. And you can't do a whole lot of the planning until they get to high school, but you can start saving early. You got that newborn you start saving, (laughs) right? Start saving then. I I kid, but no, there's lots of options here to pay for school. Now, this whole discussion today is is in no means trying to be an in-depth analysis. This is basic concepts. And I plan on covering these a little more in depth in the future. So if you've got questions, On these, don't worry, I'll get to them. So, the biggest and most popular option is probably what they call a 529 plan. And a 529 plan is a tax advantaged savings account that, when you put the money into the account, it grows tax deferred. You actually get a state tax deduction on your contribution. And if you take the money out for a qualified educational expense, it's tax-free. That's pretty cool. But there are some drawbacks. There are limited investment options. Every state has a plan, and every state kind of makes a partnership with uh, mutual fund fund uh, mutual fund families. So. Virginia's sponsored by uh, American funds. American funds, huge mutual fund company. But within the plan, you can only invest in their mutual funds. And you also have limited flexibility. You're only able to reallocate a portfolio twice a year. So that's a, a, definitely a drawback, especially in a market like this. Distributions can also become taxable if they're not used for qualified educational expenses. And they're only for certain expenses. If you wanted to get your son a new, I don't know, uh, get a car. He lives off campus. needs a car for for school. That's not going to be a qualified uh, educational expense. So there's some limitations with the 539. There are brokerage accounts. So, you could just open up an account with your wife or husband and save money there. Advantages of this account would be liquidity, right? It's totally liquid. There's no penalties for taking money out. Use it for anything you want, and you've got a lot more investment options. Uh, Some drawbacks, though, uh, you're losing the tax benefits, right? Of the 529, a Roth IRA. You're getting some tax advantages there. Uh, you take the money it grows tax deferred, getting that tax deferral. But some drawbacks here are if you took the money out for educational expenses, you would be there would be income tax on earnings if you were pre-59 and a half, and you can only put so much in, right? You can put six thousand dollars in if you're below fifty and a half, seven thousand if you're over. So there are some limitations and contributions, but It can be an effective tool. And then you have cash value life insurance. This strategy really only makes a lot of sense if you start when that child is born. You need, because these accounts take time to build up the cash value, but you're getting tax advantages. Uh, The contributions, there are, you can put as much money as you want in there, which is nice. It grows tax deferred. And when you take money out in the form of a loan, which you have no intentions of paying back, by the way, it's tax-free. Pretty cool. Drawbacks, again, it's some, it can be somewhat expensive because not all of your monies are going to the cash value buildup. Some of that money actually is paying for a death benefit and it's not super liquid and it takes time to grow, but it's an option. Now, here's my favorite way to pay for college, free money. Um, I, I like free money. I wish I had more of it. But this comes in two forms, really, grants and scholarships. You don't have to pay that back. That should be the goal of every parent, grants and scholarships. Unfortunately, most of us have had some experience with another way to pay for this, and that's loans. You've got multiple types of loans that are out there direct loans. These are federal loans. And you've got two kinds. You've got subsidized and unsubsidized. Subsidized meaning that they're actually paying your interest while in school. Unsubsidized means you're actually accruing interest while you're in school. And that's not, that's that sucks. <laughs> uh, there's parent loans, parent plus loans, right? The parent takes that loan to pay for the school. There's personal loans. You could just say, I just need money from, they take off personal loan. There's also home equity, which could be a useful strategy. It could be. It's a a collateralized loan, right? You're going to pay lower rates than a personal loan and you might pay a lower rate than the other loan, a parent loan. Who knows what the interest rates are going to be, but it could be an option. And then the last way to pay for college would really be work study, which is a it's a form of uh, financial aid. So that really, in a nutshell, is options on how to pay for this. So now I want to talk to you about the process. Once your kid gets to high school, let's say sophomore year, and this is actually the the tip of the week. And what I do is I help parents develop a. College pre approval budget, basically giving you a budget so that you can understand what you can afford. And that is super important because you want to set expectations, not only for yourself, but for your child. And if you don't know how much you can afford and your child wants to go to school that you know you can't, that's not going to be a fun discussion. So, Setting up that college budget kind of gives you parameters to work within. Also, it's important because at that st- at this stage in life, you are you've got some competing goals, right? You've got your retirement, and you've got this education to fund. And as far as I know, they don't have retirement loans, but they do have student loans. So you cannot, and I know you you probably want to. My parents did it most parents will just shoot themselves in the foot to help their kid, right? But there is the opportunity that you might not have to do that. But understand that you have competing goals is important. Take that into consideration. And this is also going to, you know, also help parents establish their expected family contribution. And that's a big one because that's what colleges Think you can't afford? You'll <laughs> be surprised to see what that number is versus your budget versus you know. There's a disconnect there. They live in L.A. La and I think, anyways. you know, Establishing needs and wants as well, setting parameters. What are the parents' needs? What are the child's needs? Right. My parents, they gave me a, a 500 mile rule. That was important to them because they could get to me within one day via car. Me, what did I want? I wanted to see a different part of the country a little bit. I wanted to get out there and grow. And so it's understanding the needs and the wants. I wanted a school with decent sports. I wanted this. I wanted a good business school. My parents, you know, they wanted a good school as well for me. But it's understanding what those are so that you can both feel confident about your selection. And you know, compiling a, a, a list of schools and, and, and comparing them is just super important. And, and when you're putting together that school list, you want to think about three top uh, three categories. One would be the dream school. Uh, another one would be a safe school, one that you know you can get in. And then a third one that I don't think a lot of people know is a competing schools. And what does that mean? It means you actually want to, so I went to Indiana University and what schools compete with Indiana for students? Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State. You can actually think about this from a a sports angle. Look at conferences, right? Big 10, ACC, Big East, Big Twelve, whatever; these schools compete against each other for students, and I'll talk a little bit about that uh, and why that's important in a little bit. Also, you know what are you going to major in? Do you expect to go to grad school? And if that's the case, you probably want to spend your money there and not an undergrad, because that's where you get you know the most bang for your buck. And then think of breadth of offerings. I don't know how many times i talk talked to students who changed their major. And what if you were really set on a major and then two years in, you say, I just, you know what? This is not what I thought it was. And now you're at school and they don't have a whole lot of other offerings of something you wanted to study. So that has to go into the equation. So when we, we talk about that list, again, dream, safe, and competing schools, and think about what you're going to study. What's the career path of that as a student? Do Is it just undergrad, or is graduate school going to be a necessity? And then how many other offerings do these offer? Is this a big school? If you're going to a small school, that's cool if that's your specialization, but there's also some risk there. After we've put that list together and we've got our needs and wants and our budgets, now I want to talk about applying. When do we apply? There's a lot of strategy involved with in this as well. There's something called early decision. An early decision, let's say that you're a borderline student in terms of getting accepted into a school. And Early decision might be your avenue. Basically, think about it this way. still, uh, Schools have quotas, right? They have X amount of seats they have to fill. If they can get someone to commit early in the process, that's money in the bank. They know they, know they got that seat filled. There's no question because early decision, if you are admitted via early decision, you have to go there. You have to. So, if this is your dream school and you're borderline, maybe early decision is your path to get into that school. There's something called early action, which is similar to early decision, but you're not it's not binding, right? You're not committed to go there. And then there's obviously regular enrollment, a regular regular time to apply. Now, once you've decided when you're going to apply, there's applications. This is so fun. This is so much fun. Some called the FAFSA form, which I'm sure parents loathe because uh, it's complicated. There's so many questions. And unfortunately, this is the most common and it's used by most public schools. And this FAFSA form basically determines your eligibility for financial aid, loans, the grants, and the work study. That's going to determine. And a lot of people will say, I, I make too much money. I'm not, I'm not going to fill this out. Always fill out the FAFSA. And there are strategies to improve your eligibility for aid. And that comes down to, you know, getting down that, bringing down that expected family contribution. But regardless of your student's academic strength and your financial situation, there are strategies that can help you maximize your financial aid. There's another type of Uh, application called the css and that is used by private schools uh like harvard uh, stanford and these this application is used to award non-federal aid it's much more in-depth they're going to want to know a lot about you and but fortunately it's only used by your private institutions so you probably unless you're looking to go to one of those schools, I'm not going to have to come in contact with that, which is good. After you've applied, now the offers, rejections, they start to come in. Let's say you got an offer and we'll use my school, Indiana. Let's say you want to go to Indiana. Good choice, by the way. You get in, but they're not offering you a ton of aid. Okay. Had you... Also apply to, say, Purdue, because they compete with each other. You can maybe use that Purdue offer, even though you have no intentions of going there, against Indiana. Maybe they'll match that financial aid offer because they want you, because they're competing for that quota. They've got, they've got to fill those seats. So that's why uh, getting that list of schools is so important because you can use it against them. The appeals process is really, really powerful and can save you a lot of money. So when you're trying to tie this back into the process, when, when, do, we, how do, when do we do all this? How do I get this stuff organized? Well, there's a timeline here. And you know the freshman year is really things you kind of start to get an idea, the strength of your student, right? Is he smart? Maybe not so much. Creating a plan freshman year. Just kind of start exploring schools, right? Plant the seed. Hey, uh, ask, your, ask your son. Uh, you know, you go to a football game, basketball game. What do you think about the school? What are, your, what are your thoughts on this? It just, just get this conversation started. That's, there's not a ton can new freshman year, but just kind of under, let them understand that this is something that we're going to have to start talking about next year. Sophomore year is really a big year because you start to, you know, you take your PSATs, practice SAT, uh, you start to build a resume in terms of your coursework. And you're starting to, now that you've started to explore schools school as a freshman year, sophomore year, you start to compile that list of schools. Junior year, uh, you take the SAT, which is a big one. And you start to really hone in on schools you want to go to. You attend college fairs. You're out there, you maybe visit some schools. Your senior year, that's where you want to maximize your test scores. If that ACT or the SAT you took was weak, take it again. Also, you're going to be completing your applications, typically in the fall of your senior year, September, October. you complete the FAFSA. Once you've done all that, you've got some acceptance letters coming in. You want to really start to finalize your payment strategy. How am I going to pay this? Back to the beginning, right? All those options. When do you pay it down? When do you use this? And as an example, a 529 account, let's say your grandparents had one for you. You only want to use their that money in your junior or senior year because if you use it in your freshman or sophomore, it's, it takes two years for it to become what they call a counted asset. But if you use it, you're junior and senior, you've graduated. It doesn't matter. It's not going to negatively impact you. So understanding when to use an asset, how to title an asset can be very important in in, in your payment strategy. So in conclusion, you want to start early, especially with funding this. This is not, you look at college costs. It's crazy how expensive they are. When I went to school uh, about $26,000 out of state for Indiana. I looked at the same, uh, I looked at the, uh, cost today. It's, it's in the mid fifties for out of state. That's absurd. Same school 20 years later. Wow. So you want to save early, save often, right? Don't wait until the last minute. It's kind of like anything else in life, garbage in, garbage out. If you, if you just, you know, get lazy, um, it's going to cost you. And there's thousands of dollars that can be saved planning, thousands, thousands. I don't understand this. I was out, I don't know where it was, doesn't matter. But I heard a parent bragging, oh, hey, my son's going to, I forget what school was, doesn't matter, but I'm listening to them talk. And it was like, he was bragging about how much it was costing. The, 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 the friend asked like, how much is that? He's like, oh, it's like $76,000 a year. He was like bragging about paying for an education. I was like, that makes no sense. Again, uh, I, th- I had another podcast on this, but keeping up with the Joneses, right? Do not get caught in that game. That parent paid $6,000 right here. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. He didn't do any planning, right? He didn't get any financial aid. He didn't do the appeals process. He's, he wanted to pay full sticker price. Would you pay full sticker price for a car? I wouldn't. You need to appeal. You need to negotiate. You need to maximize your family's opportunities to get as much money as you can. Again, this was a brief introduction to college planning. I do plan on on having a podcast uh, much more in depth on each one of these individually, but I just want to kind of give you an idea of hey, there's a lot going on here. There's lots of moving parts. I can help you maximize your financial aid and maximize your dollar for your child's education. Uh, you can find me at. Uh, www.genxwealthpartners.com. You can email me at michael at genxwealthpartners.com. I would love to hear uh, what you guys have going on in terms of this process. If you need help on anything particularly, I'm welcome and happy to do so. I thank you for listening today and I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you for listening to the Gen X Money Advisor podcast. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Gen X Wealth Partners. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding Regarding your individual situation securities offered through kestra investment services llc kestra is member FNRA, SIPC. investment advisory services offered through kestra advisory services llc kestra as an affiliate of kestra is gen x wealth partners is not affiliated with kestra is or kestra as
1: views within the podcast are solely of gen x wealth partners and are not necessarily the views of kestra as or kestra is